Welcome to another episode of the Maritime Health and Performance Chat. On today's hard-hitting episode, we have Judo Canada athlete Zach Burt. So instead of me going through his uh, all his many achievements in the sport of judo, uh, I'll let him go through it because he can definitely explain it better. So Zach, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Uh, great to be here. Uh, I started judo when I was six. Uh, my dad uh, was a judo player uh, for uh, most of his life. Uh, he competed nationally, a little bit internationally, and he got me involved when I was six. And I did a little bit of hockey and some other stuff as well when I was a kid, but judo was kind of uh, where I decided to focus all my uh, my energy and time and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so I started at six, and then my dad actually opened up his own judo club in 2002, uh, Upper Canada Judo Club, and he's had a ton of success with it. And I uh, I trained with him, and I was there. Oof, I left and came to Montreal in 2013. So, gosh, it's been already seven, eight years I've been here. <laughs> And I, uh, I've been doing it ever since. So just over 20 years now doing judo and been all over the world. I've competed and represented Canada internationally and in so many different countries. It's hard to keep track sometimes. Uh, all through the U.S. as well. I actually lived and trained in the U.S. off and on for a number of years with uh, Jason Morris. Uh, I believe you were there actually once upon a time too, Matt. Yeah, I got to spend about two months total there. Just got to spend a you know, couple weeks here and there. What an experience. What an immersive experience to just really have a chance to up your judo game and train with some of the best that uh, the U.S. had to offer. Yep, could not agree more. I uh, I was fortunate enough, my dad had a relationship with Jason from when they were athletes, so they were friends, and that's how I kind of got introduced to that whole program. And then, yeah, my brother and I were there off and on uh, starting from 2009 right up until 2016, 2015. So, Man, I mean, yeah. just, just a side note, like uh, just so people know kind of what – what that's like. Uh, so Jason Morris, an Olympic silver medalist uh, for the U.S., um, he actually opens up his home to athletes that they uh, they they board there. His wonderful wife uh, cooks many many meals after practice. You get to train, you know, twice a day. When I was there, he had the full gym in the basement and and also uh, sets in the extra extra room in the dojo there. Uh, pretty amazing experience in uh, uh, upstate New York. So I mean. Uh, just that alone is, is just amazing when you get that kind of collaboration and, and you see a lot in the judo community with that kind of martial arts, that respect uh, side of things. You see a lot of, you know, collaboration, a lot of, you know, traveling to train with different teams, different countries and all that. Um, and, and as well as, you know, even just within within the country, I remember when I was competing nationally that there was always, you know, the big training camps, either after the tournament or in between a couple tournaments. It was pretty amazing to get to compete with someone, you know, and train with the best athletes in the country. Uh, all the Olympians would run the clinics and the national teams would run the clinics. It's, a, it, you know, it's, it's something to be said about the judo community. It's pretty amazing. Yes, right on. Could not agree more. That, uh, that post-Quebec Open training camp in the hall there. Oh. I don't know if you remember that. That was always uh, that was always a great time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of my highlights. Yeah, great time. Tough training camp too. Oh, amazing training camp. So I mean, now that uh, you know, kind of got people caught up on how you got into the sport and and where you are. Describe as as a national team athlete. Uh, you know, what are some of the throughout the years some of the expectations on you as far as training goes, nutrition, psychology, balancing school and work and sport and everything uh maybe go go through some of that 
Yeah. So gosh, where to start? So when I moved in 2013, back then I wasn't exactly sure where I was going in terms of career path and school and whatnot. And I was supposed to, we have a system in Canada called the carding system and all the athletes in Canada through various sports uh, receive financial support through Sport Canada through the government. And that's kind of, you end up signing a contract and it's kind of your, your step into a much bigger world in terms of, you know, you're now a paid you're, you're a paid professional athlete. Uh, obviously, it's a much lower scale contract than guys like uh, LeBron James and whatnot. <laughs> Not even, you know, pennies. But uh, either way, it's still, that's the first step. And uh, my first few years in Montreal, unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to secure carding um, through political reasons, stuff like that. It was a whole big thing. But anyway, I, um, I couldn't go to school because then I was forced to get a part-time job to try and stay alive. And, and keep this going. And so I worked for years at uh, Jukato, which is a martial arts store on St. Laurent Boulevard downtown. And uh, I worked there as a stock boy for years. And that's how I tried to, you know, stay alive and persevere. And eventually I was able to get my carding. But once I got my carding, it was only after about a year that I lost my funding for trips uh, to go on the tour. And so I found myself still needing that part-time job. And so between judo full-time, training commitment, plus a part-time job, there was nowhere extra time to go to school. And so I never actually was able to, I never went to college or university. Uh, I'm in the process of doing uh, my application for policing, uh, the OPP in Ontario, and I'm also going to apply for the RCMP here. And uh, that's kind of the path that I had to take. And even to this day, as we speak, I have a part-time job now. I do sales. Uh, from my laptop at home, which is really great. As long as I have Wi-Fi, I can do, uh, I can work and I can make some sales for DMS. It's the company I work for. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty hectic. Uh, I have, I usually train twice a day uh, in between trainings. I work and if I'm not working, I'm either having appointments with our team dietitian or I'm having an appointment with my sports psychologist. Uh, I only recently just, uh, Start working with a sports psychologist as of 2016. My dad was the one who actually thought it would be a really good idea and I decided to try it out and honestly looking back one of the best moves I ever made uh, in my career hands down. Uh, she's helped me a ton. Uh, you know when you get to this high level anything at a, any high level of sports I would say that everybody is you know everybody's fit everybody knows how to do a bench press everybody's uh, knows how to execute techniques and whatnot strategy but the game really becomes so much uh, about the mental and we have someone you have someone that looks after your weight training you have a strength and conditioning coach you have a judo coach that looks after your game and your craft but then you know it only made sense to have someone that looks after the mental part which as i just said is, is incredibly important and in the bigger stage so I started working with angela and uh it's been uh, just over four years now and we're still working together and it's been really great Man, that's awesome. That is one thing I wish I took advantage of when I was uh, when I was still an athlete. We did have uh, a bit bit of access to a sports psych um, when I was wrestling for uh, University of New Brunswick, and I never took enough advantage of that. I know through coaching and, and being an athlete and talking to friends of mine who are athletes, it's just that mental game really is the difference maker. You know, if you show up just in, and you're not quite there, and, and and your opponent is, especially in a in a one on one grappling sport like judo, where you know. It's it's not like a team sport where you know you could have the game of your life and and you guys lose or because your other teammates weren't playing at that same level or vice versa you could have the worst game of your life and you guys still win but in judo like you you've got to be on because if the other guy is or the other the other athlete is it's not gonna end well for you. <laughs> 
You know what? I could not agree more. And another another part I'll bring into it that a lot of people don't realize too is not just competing, Matt, but I would say training. Like there's so many outside things that come into your bubble, into your head in terms of everyday life. And just getting the most out of your training, remaining focused, having that put, especially in that time like now, right? In a pandemic and a lockdown with the Olympics postponed, all this stuff just weighs on your mental and it's you know it's their job to unpack that with you and to assess that and you know attack it head on with a plan so without my sports psychologist without Angela I, I really don't know like how I would be able to get through this year among other other factors for sure but she uh they play a huge huge part in that for sure that was an extremely well-made point very well spoken um it, you know, it's not like you're going to go into a competition and try a technique you've never tried before, right? Yeah. So if you're not practicing these these sports like the, these mental training techniques and, and bringing them in for your everyday life, for your practice, for for you know in the weight room, everywhere, mm -hmm. right? If you're not if you're not working on these, you're not training that skill. It is you know um, mental toughness is a skill. Um, and training not, is a skill, hundred percent. Yep. Exactly. You don't want to cram for a test. You don't want to cram for your, your, your sports psych. No, it's, you know, people, mental training is a, is a, is just, is still new to the sport world, but it's so important. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember JP Canton. He's my oh, coach here. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're quite close. Always have been. And him and I were just discussing before Christmas, the, the way we look at it, my philosophy, we share a lot of similar philosophies in terms of training and whatnot is, you know, you have two purposes in training. You are either training to improve your game, so your craft, you know, whether that's a new throw, a new pin, whatnot, a new strategy, okay, or you're training specifically for competition because there's, there's, there's only really those two, those two purposes. And if it's the second one, if you're training for competition, you're supposed to be mentally doing things that you would experience and do on game day, right? That's the whole point. So when you get in that tunnel on tournament day and you experience those nerves, you get into those those pressure situations in tournament, uh, whatnot, you're used to it because you've trained it in practice, which is why a lot of the European countries, for example, they do a ton of, they call test matches where they get, you know, they put people around, they get you to fight a teammate with, you know, a, a referee. And when I was younger, I didn't really understand that. But now looking at it, I'm like, man, they're, they're way ahead of us. Like that's huge. Like you, you take on part of the nerves and the stress of game day and you assess it and you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's oh, I think you summed it up perfectly right there. Comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's yeah. that's such a necessity for really anything, for for uh, for athletics, for for you know, kind of when you're at the bottom of the bottom of the uh, the totem pole there, when you're starting uh, at a new job and stuff, right? You gotta kind of sometimes you gotta put that extra work in. You gotta be uncomfortable for a bit to sort of work your way up to to gain that experience, to gain those skills to really excel at, at, at whatever it is that you're trying to excel at, whether it be sports, career, school, anything. I could not agree more. And I couldn't tell you, I mean, you could probably speak on this for sure as well as how many athletes, I think that would be the biggest difference between athletes and specifically judo players that you hear coaches and people say, oh, he's phenomenal in training, but he's terrible in competition. And I would say that's the prime example of a guy that is not able to put into practice the mental training that it takes to be able to repeat that on game day. Because what happens is those guys don't really understand how they're training, what they're training, what they're doing, each motion, each, each, each uh, uh, exercise has a purpose. So that what happens is they go on game day and 
their body starts to spaz and freak out, you know, stress, nerves, butterflies, and they're not able to, to figure it out. They don't know how to deal with that because they don't train themselves to deal with it in, in training. And that's what I meant by the two, the two goals of training is you're either expanding your game and becoming a better player at your craft or you're prepping for a tournament. You're allowing your body to get used to and get comfortable with that uncomfortability, uh, uncomfortableness. I absolutely love the, uh, the impromptu uh, jump to the, the sports psych we've had for the last couple of minutes. Um, Cause again, mm-hmm. like I exactly like people who just can't, quite string it together for competition. I, I've seen it in, in, in teammates and other competitors and stuff. I've experienced it. Um, and, and it is such a debilitating thing. Just so I don't keep you too long here, um, last couple questions. What do you feel like that you're doing to stand out and get ahead in, in your sport? Oh, uh, you know, that's a question I, I ask myself all the time. Uh, as the years go by, you know, I've been doing this at a high level my, my whole life. So as the years go by, I'm I started to find that this year, actually, more than any other year, the body is taking its toll. <laughs> you know, things are starting to, to, you know, my metabolism has slowed down. I just turned 27 this year. So uh, aches and pains, things that, you know, I didn't really feel or notice when I was 22. And, you know, example, and I could just go forever, or you know, maybe go off five hours sleep and still train like a machine. But I can't do that anymore. So now I'm finding is one way I'm, I'm trying to, I would say, get ahead, as you put it, is paying attention to the details, um, the details being those little things that might help me to get an edge in my training, uh, stuff like, for example, I started having all kinds of groin problems over the last year, so I now purposely really try and warm that up specifically before I, I train so that I, I lower my risk of injury, and little things like that so that I can find a way to be at my best self all the time, and if it's not all the time, it's 99% of the time. Always find a way to be efficient and complete that goal those either those two goals Matt right so we're either training for a competition or we are training to improve my game get better you know I'm not just wasting time I find over the years so many of us myself included you you waste time you just you go through the motions and you do things that really have no they don't fit into either of those two categories and it's not till you realize someone pointed it out or you, you just sit back and think and go, well, why was I doing that? You know, like I, it, w- what, what goal does that serve? Does it fit in either of those columns? No, then I sh- probably shouldn't be doing it. That's an excellent point. I think that kind of, um, that kind of ties in with what, what you were saying uh, before about how your sports psych was, you know, at your level, everyone's fit. Everyone knows all the techniques, right? It's those little things um, that you can do to kind of set yourself ahead of the rest of the competition. And I mean, um, part of that is being an athlete and being, being a successful athlete, I would think is being honest with yourself. Uh, like you yes. just said, like, you know, you, you're, you've acknowledged your metabolism slowing down. You, you know, you might need a bit more recovery time, right? Uh, you're saying your groin had been bugging you, right? You're ex- extremely honest with yourself and you're very proactive um, with that stuff. So, I mean, that, there's a little, you know, lesson for any aspiring athletes, right? The more honest you can be with, with yourself, with your body, how you're feeling, how you're recovering, how training's affecting you, the, the mental side of things, right? I think, I think the better uh, you can be and, you know, you can identify problem areas and, and find a solution much, much easier. I could not agree more, Matt. The, bit, the biggest piece of advice I've learned the hard way over the years that I would be able to give to any athlete out there is the more honest you can be with yourself, like you said, the better you are going to be at your craft. Because at the end of the day, running from the problem or, you know, just avoiding it, it's never going to fix itself. And in the end, you just do yourself a disservice because now, with the beauty of technology, especially, I'm going to, you know, obviously just speak uh, judo-specific here, 
everybody knows everybody. Everybody can see videos on your competitions, your matches, everything. So if you have a problem, whether it's, you know, you got, you got an issue with lefties or something, people are going to see that and they're going to exploit that. You know, everybody's got strategies. Nobody's dumb. Everybody's got access to a laptop. So the only way, in my opinion, you can really get ahead and get the best of yourself is to attack those problems. You know, okay, I'm uncomfortable with this situation. I lose nine times out of 10 when I'm in that situation. We need to figure out a way. We need to problem solve. We need to find a solution. How can we, how can we make this better? With all that stuff you just said, it's funny that the, my biggest takeaway from that and, and for people who don't know judo, fighting lefties sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could not agree more. We don't have enough of them in North America, so we're at a complete disadvantage and we go overseas and you got a good lefty, like you just said, and you're like, well, this is not <laughs> ideal. No, not at all. Um, I guess a, a bit topical here, but how has the, the global pandemic and all the restrictions and shutdowns affected your training, your, your goals uh, in and out of the sport? Oh, man. Uh, well, for me, you know, I came back from a long European tour March 2nd. <laughs> and <laughs> I came back at the perfect time because yeah. right as I came back, we were told about this, you know, COVID-19, this big pandemic, blah, blah. And I just kind of was like, okay, you know, whatever. And then our national center in Montreal shut down uh, middle of March. And even at that point, a lot of us were like, ah, we'll be back in two weeks. It's all good. And it wasn't until April we were all like, oh, this is very serious. This is not going away. This is the world is actually in the motion of changing, like forever changing. And so for me, one of the hardest mental factors I had that I've never in my own personal life, I've never really experienced something this difficult for me was that I'm in a serious relationship with a girl from Germany who's also on the national judo team. We've been dating for just over three years now. And we were lucky enough to be on the tour together and I used Munich, that's where she's from, as a training base. And I would stay with her, live with her, train in Munich, go compete in other European events, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it was great. And it worked out really well. And because of the pandemic, I had to go, you know, nine months here without seeing her and still have to carry on and do my job without any kind of knowing on when I'd be able to see her again. Uh, if anybody out there is married, you know, or has a serious girlfriend or whatnot, this, this, there was a very hard thing to do mentally. I remember I just, uh, I would have a hard time leaving my house at times or just, just getting up. And for a lot of that time in the summer, I was actually living alone, which was the worst thing because <laughs> you're alone with your thoughts. And it was just, it was so hard for me to stay focused, get the job done, you know, still go to training, still be productive, still find, you know, how to be as efficient as I can, focus on, you know, uh, I'd be able to see her at some point. But for me, that little, that piece of my personal life was the thing that really, to me, affected my head the most. I, I just, I had such a hard time. Uh, you know, it's one thing if you can see that life at the end of the tunnel, for example, if you get told, you know, uh, uh, everybody's done something really difficult in their life, whether, you know, okay, so you're a strength and conditioning coach, Matt, so if you do a really tough circuit and it's hell it's awful but you know in your head okay it's only four sets once it's done we made it we got through it that's it with this kind of thing i had such a hard time because there was no end and goal in sight there i didn't know when i was going to see her again likewise and so every day having to go through it and it going longer and longer it was just so hard for me and uh you know if i didn't have my sports psych there my support system and stuff i, I really don't know what i would have done it was it was definitely not a fun time and uh for me mentally it was one of the most challenging things i've had to to experience for sure 
Uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and I'm, I'm certain there is more than a few people going through the exact same thing. And, you know, not, not, not everyone would openly share that and be comfortable with that. And I think a lot of people need to hear that, right? Because that's the, the effects that they're feeling too. It's, you know, those mental, you know, that mental grind of uh, your personal life that can just carry over into so many other aspects. And I mean, actually, it's fine that we've now kind of come almost full circle. We're coming right back to the, the sports psych stuff again. So just a a highlight on how uh, important that is. Yeah. One thing I'd like to add is is you mentioned earlier on that you were balancing work because you hadn't gotten carding that year. You were balancing training in and out, in and, or on and off the mats. Uh, you were balancing, you know, you, you know, your meetings with your nutrition, your sports psychs. Like that's not easy. And I think a lot of people like not to deter anyone from high performance athletics, but that's the passion that they need to go in. Like you know, you kind of said talent. Every everyone's talented at that level, right? Everyone's fit. Everyone's hungry, right? You need that drive, that extra burn, passion to really excel at that sport. That's amazing to hear that. You know, regardless of kind of some of the obstacles and pitfalls that you met, that you were able to persevere, keep working, it, and kind of meet your goals. And I mean, you're not just someone who's kind of throwing their ring into the hat. Like you have a, a huge number of international medals since you, you know, you've been training at the national training center and beforehand. So, I mean, like, you, you know, you're a perfect example of it's not just going to fall in your lap. You got to work for it. Thanks. Uh, thank you for that, Matt. I uh, super appreciate it. Very humbling. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know when I was young, I had my dad as my coach for 20 years, whatnot. And, you know, he was really hard on me and I developed from a young age the importance as well as the passion of hard work and you know it's you want something bad enough you've got to be willing to to go the extra mile not only that but I really started as well thinking when I was younger that you know if you train like everybody else you're only really going to be as good as everybody else or you better have a lot of natural talent because otherwise you're never going to really break through and so it's it's you know uh it's something that I learned from being around uh Yoan Beaton too much <laughs> and you know the the doing the extra thing you know or pushing a little more or really you know and that's what I was saying before is the details trying to get the most out of the time you have during each training how am I getting that one percent better each time I step on the mat whether it's in the gym whether it's outside something like that and uh for me it's uh, like you said it's hard to balance everything but you know what you, you got to be organized and at the end of the day if you're not it's not going to work and it's you know it's how bad you want it to work out awesome 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 one last uh one last thing on my end then I always remember I used to compete against your brother Jonah and uh, 90 kilos, and you were always okay. uh, you were usually a weight class below, I think, around 81. Yeah, um, but I would get to train with the both of you at, at, at you know the training camps we were talking about. I always remember you guys. Obviously, you were great stand-up players, but your ground game was was something else. Was that was there any specific kind of influence that led you to training so much uh, Newaza, uh, or is it just something that kind of came naturally? Honestly, I was really, I would say, blessed. I was, you know, people are talented and it's hard to, well, I mean, there's been so many books, you and I can probably talk about it for days, written on, you know, where does talent come from, all this stuff. And I don't really know. I was, I was always had a knack for groundwork. I've always been really good at Niwaza uh, from a very young age. I remember being like, um, my brother and I would be 10 years old and we'd be able to pin an arm lock guys that were 16, 17 years old because we were just naturally really good at it. And then you go to Europe and you see how they don't really train it, you know, their culture, they don't really jump on it that much. And then you just start having all the success with it. And it, yeah, it was nothing really we specifically did. It was just my brother and I were both 
in very different ways, really good at our ground game. It always made me, um, if I could add this, it always made me a bit sad that I was always known and to this day still as being a very, really good ground game judo player. But my brother never got enough recognition for his ground game. And it, it was as good or better than mine. It was just different. And I think people didn't see that. And he was also, uh, you probably remember, he was a big floor. He was very flashy with his standing. Yeah. And so people overlooked his ground game. And I always thought he never got enough credit for his ground game. It was as good or better than mine to this day. It was just different, you know? Right on. Well, I guess just to wrap up, is there anything, any upcoming tournaments or, or anything you want to highlight or plug, any social media or anything like that before we wrap up? We're not sure because of the pandemic what the next event's going to look like. There's rumors about a Grand Slam in uh, Israel end of February, but nothing's been confirmed yet. So I'm just kind of training right now. Uh, like we just said before the two columns, I'm training to just kind of improve my game and, and get back into tip-top shape. And uh, social media, uh, I'm not huge on social media. I do have an Instagram account. I know everybody uses that now, and that's probably the most popular one I know of. I'm at Blackbird93. You guys want to follow me on there, but I don't. I don't post, you know, a ton of stories. I'm not the one doing the updates all the time and telling people what I'm eating at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, if you want to keep up with my progress or stuff like that, I do throw some stuff up on there. And uh, yeah. Right on, Zach. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us for this. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. All the best to you. Eh? Awesome.